Oh, hey, girl. It's Tess Rouse and Christina Beattie. We're the co-hosts and creators of Authentically Wild. A podcast that may literally transform your understanding about life, relationships, and your healing journey. So get ready, girl. Shit's about to get wild. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our third episode. Today, we're going to talk about mother wounds. Mm -hmm. We are digging in today. It's a big one. Be prepared for lots of emotion, not only in us, but hopefully in all of you listening. We're going to talk about the bond between a mother and child and how it's probably the strongest bond that exists. What is a mother wound even? Uh, and why it's so important to heal this this wounding that can come um, through mothers uh, and how that can impact your your future self and your future life as an adult. Well, hello. Hello. I think we're becoming veterans now. I know. <laughs> Episode three. <laughs> uh, and I think we should also maybe even say thank you to everyone who's been listening. I know you've been see- receiving some great comments, as have I, about how this is resonating uh, with listeners. I think that's amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, last week we did a pretty big episode around resistance to change. For me, that was a pretty big emotional one for me. I touched on some pretty sensitive topics. We both did, but I, I specifically got quite emotional in it. And it's just been really beautiful receiving feedback from listeners, just how impactful that's been. And, you know, that's, you and I have talked a a lot about how we really just want this podcast to be something that is very connecting for people where hopefully they can see themselves in our stories, in our experiences and everything that we share. That's, that's why we're doing this. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah. And please, uh, after you're done listening, rate the podcast and leave us any comments as well on any topics, maybe that you want to hear us chat about and share experiences with. Uh, all right. So I think before we really jump into what is a mother wound, we, we need to really establish why the bond between a mother and a child is, is just so important. As I mentioned in the intro there, it is one of the strongest bonds that exist, whether you're a human all the way down to animals as well. Um, you know, they, they mold us. Uh, our mothers, you know, start this physically during pregnancy. They literally create our bodies and all our cells and our brains. Um, we're literally attached to them through the umbilical cord. They provide us everything we need to survive and grow, nourishment, oxygen, all of those things. And then they do this also emotionally through our upbringing once we're actually born into the world. And so our, our sense of self and our identity is really shaped through our interactions with our primary caregiver. And that's typically the mother. When a mother causes emotional uh, or physical trauma to a child, and we'll get into what that looks like because it doesn't mean that maybe your mom always yelled at you or physically hit you. It can, it can look a lot different than that, actually. When that wounding is created, it's an animalistic instinct for a child to maintain the mother's love and approval because that's their survival. Children that are born even animals, they depend on their mother for survival. Uh, so rather than blame the mother for that trauma or that emotional hurt that they're experiencing, we internalize it. And this mm. is why the bond is so, so important because we internalize limiting beliefs to justify our mother's inability uh, to meet our needs. So this could look like, you know what, I'm, I'm just unlovable. I'm not good enough. I need to be smaller 
speaking my mind upsets her. Uh, and internalizing the issue onto ourselves keeps that bond with our mother intact because in actually severing that and blaming her and projecting that, it basically cuts off survival. And that's in a very um, you know, illustrative way. Uh, obviously not, it doesn't really, but, but to us, it's an animalistic instinct to keep that bond with our mother. And so we internalize the blame onto ourselves. And just something that I've learned in, in some of the research I've been doing on this topic is that children are very limited in their, in their cognitive development in the early years. And so at certain ages, we actually equate ourselves to be the cause of all things. We mm. can actually understand that maybe it's someone else's anger or trauma or you know, they had a hard day. And so now they're acting out like this towards us. We blame ourselves. And so I just think it's really important to establish that foundation as to what that bond is and why it's so important to literally our survival. One thing I also want to add is as we're digging into this, because Tess, you and I have somewhat very different experiences. And I know for you and your healing journey, a lot has come up for you with your relationship with your mother. And in contrast, but in, in a similar way, so much came up for me, for my healing journey around my role as a mother, especially with Max, mm -hmm. right? And so one thing I want to just point out here for our listeners is that as you're listening along to this, number one, there's some heavy topics in here. So just be compassionate and gentle with yourself if things are coming up for you. The healing journey is it can be a lot sometimes, right? And sometimes things can really trigger us. And so if you do find that you are being triggered with anything that does come up for you, especially with this podcast episode, I just want to say, do not be afraid to reach out to someone if you do need that support, whether it's a professional, a friend, like do not hesitate, because that's really important as you move through this stuff. And the other piece that I really want to point out is if you are a mother and, and this brings up some triggers of like, am I doing this correctly? Have I traumatized my children forever. Uh, hello, that's been me my whole life as a mother. <laughs> that's what I've experienced in my journey as a mother. Know that actually the most important piece is awareness and that it doesn't matter how old your children and your children are. It doesn't matter where they're at in their journeys, where you're at in your journey, the awareness of just wanting to do better and, and learn more and be the best you can be like, that is the most important piece. So, you know, I just wanted to point out those those things, because this can be a heavy topic. And I think sometimes too, like as mothers, we can feel like, Oh, it's too late. Did I screw up my kids? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and number one, they're going to get screwed up no matter what. Cause we lived in a, in a world where there's a lot going on, you know, but it's awareness. We're all doing the best that we can. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point to bring up because Christina and I are not perfect mothers. I think we'd be the first to admit that, uh, but you're right. It's, it's awareness. And one thing that I've struggled with on this journey is coming to the understanding that all parents wound their children. Mm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's literally inescapable. It's really though. It varies. I think as to how deep we wound them, right? And again, becoming aware, breaking patterns that maybe we grew up being parented by, that's really where the change can begin. And I think that's why this topic is so important because in my experience, I assumed, yeah, I didn't have a great childhood with my mom. It was not a good relationship. And it wasn't until I really began to dig into it, I realized just how damaging some of the things that had happened to me were. And, and if I 
hadn't gone through that really uncomfortable process of digging that up, I would still be showing up in some of those same ways. Right. Mm. And it's not to say again, like that I'm a perfect parent, but there are a lot of things I've realized and where they came from. And now I'm able to heal them. Yeah. And what's interesting too, is that my experience was I grew up in a childhood where I was like, I had a great childhood, like that, you know, my parents got divorced, but there was nothing, there were no issues. Like I, I, I was happy and granted I, I was a, like, I did have happy moments and I did, I, I do have happy memories, but then once I started really digging into my healing, I was like, Ooh, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's some stuff here, you know? Uh, I think, you know, just talking about this mother wound and you can look it up and there's lots of really good articles on it as well, just to dig more into it. If this, if this is something that's maybe triggering you or you're, or you're resonating with it's, it really comes down to, if I can paraphrase a lot of the research that I've done is it's internalizing beliefs and patterns that are self-limiting, which we inherit through our mothers. And that could either be literally ancestrally so trauma that they didn't resolve that then gets passed down so think of like patriarchy there's a good one right lots of female lineage that that passes that on but also it could just be through interactions that they had with you and then we pick up coping mechanisms for that and and we begin to uh, echo those in other relationships into our adulthood. Um, And so usually a lot of this is unconscious and that's why it's so important to really think back to that relationship and, and how it was presenting itself. One thing I want to say too, in regards to what you were just talking about that I found very fascinating on like throughout my healing journey is actually this book. It's called, it didn't start with you. And one thing that I've learned that is crazy is that the trauma that we experience, the trauma that our mothers experience, it actually can go back to the trauma that our grandmothers and great grandmothers experienced. And our eggs were back, back then in our grandmother's body, right? Like if you think about our eggs being in our mom and her egg being in her mom, like this is, we are literally inside of our grandmother. So if you think about any trauma, that she experienced that gets woven into our DNA and our genes. Like it is wild. And so it's literally not even just about the experiences that we have, but, but from a DNA standpoint, like we are experiencing things that our grandmother, our great grandmothers experienced. And so, yeah, I said that the title for the book, it didn't start with you, how inherited family trauma shapes who we are and how to end the cycle. That's by Mark. Wolin, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. You know, what's really interesting is that I got really fascinated by this um, at the end of last year. And more recently, I contacted his team and I did a really cool session with um, a woman who trained under him. And we dove right into the mother wound. And it was all about looking at the attachment that I created with my mom and how to really dig into that, how to heal that. Um, it was a really beautiful experience. And so Tess and I will include the information in the show notes for anybody who wants to learn more about that book, who wants to learn more about, you know, working with his team, but really interesting how layered all of this is. And you could just, you could really dig into learning so much about it. You know, what, what Christine and I both have, we're kind of trying to echo there is that, you know, 
mother wounding can happen from all different types of parenting, right? You could have a mother who was very abrasive, yelling, possibly even physically abusive, lots of anger to one who is more passive. So you could have very different outlooks on your childhood. One that was, you know, when you went into your adulthood, you thought, yeah, like I had a good childhood. Or you could say, no, you came from one that wasn't good, but you've put the past behind you and the past is staying there in both cases. Uh, that imprinting and that that wounding has occurred. And it's it's really up to you to dig into where is this showing up in my life? Because it's not just, it doesn't just surface in the relationship that you then have with your children. It actually comes up in all different types of relationships. And we're going to get into that in a little bit later in this podcast, but why it's so important. Um, and maybe some of the patterns that you might be able to identify with to see uh, sort of how deep your, maybe your mother wounding is. You know, for myself, I've really just in the last few months in, in digging into this, this piece of my healing journey, have really begun to understand just how traumatic my relationship with my mother really was during it. Like even in my early adolescence, it wasn't something I talked about with my friends because mm. I thought that it was normal. Um, my mom was very career driven. So a lot of the time she wasn't present. And when she was, I think she was grappling with the demands of society and being successful and providing for her children in the physical sense, the house, food, clothing, all of those things. Um, but then really lacked in the, in the emotional side of things. Um, so she wasn't present. And when she was, I think she had a lot of resentment just, I think, to the dichotomy of, of the society that, or sorry, the pressure that society puts on women. You have to have a career and you have to be the best mom and your kids need you and all of these things. And that would boil over, I think, to all of us, my, my brothers included, but especially me. And I think there was something really significant about me being a girl and, and really bringing that out in her. Mm -hmm. Digging into some of my inner child healing now, I realized it actually wasn't normal to be like kicked across the kitchen floor for maybe, you know, back talking to her or getting something like thrown at your head, you know? And, and when I talk about those pretty traumatic moments, I remember thinking then like, I didn't go to school with a black eye, like I wasn't abused, but when I look at it now, like, yeah, I was. And I think that's, it's really important to understand that each of us are on our own path and our own journey. And whatever your experience may be, maybe your mom just yelled at you, or maybe she just was always working, whatever your trauma was like, it doesn't, you, you shouldn't compare it to someone else's because it still had an impact on you. Right. When I think back to that, you know, reliving some of those traumatic experiences, it wasn't the physical act of what she did that was traumatizing, it was in those moments feeling her inability to love me. And so it's really interesting because we'll talk a little bit about, you know, how we show up now in relationships. But for me, it created this, this insatiable need to be loved, to be wanted, to be seen. And I began to learn how to work around her. So she could see me and she would love me when I would take care of her, when I would clean the house for her, when I would bring her tea, when I would be perfect. Mm. 
And so I, I grew up building a life exactly like that because even though it wasn't, I wasn't in a relationship with my mother anymore as I went into my late teens and into my adulthood, it was a coping mechanism I had developed mm. back then. And I brought it forward into all of my relationships. And so not being perfect or not taking care of people, not having it all together meant I could not be loved because mm. that's what she taught me. Yeah. You bring up this piece around external validation, right? And you learned at a really young age, if you do these things, you might get that response that, that on a subconscious level, you were hoping to get from mom. Right. And then we can see how these things ripple out this ripple effect it creates in the rest of our lives and the rest of our relationships, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the other piece I want to point out there too, that came up when you were talking was with that inner child healing. And we're not, we don't need to delve into that, but just this visual I got of, you know, we, we experience these things that I think teaches us at a young age to shut off parts of our heart, you know, like we, like little chambers that we lock away. And when we start to go back into our healing journeys and, and, and dig into some of these really locked away pieces, it can be both overwhelming, but also very liberating because here are these pieces that you felt were unlovable or, uh, you were never shown how to love about yourself. And then you start to do that for yourself, which again, we'll point to this later on in the podcast, but that we don't have to have these people. We, we don't even necessarily have to have our mothers in the picture to be able to heal through these pieces, because that's where it's our job to go back to these places in our heart and unlock them and hold space for them and, and give them the love mm-hmm. that we didn't get, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just important, um, you know, and, and Christine, will talk a little bit about her upbringing, but, you know, like Christine, I had happy moments too. It wasn't all like mm-hmm. that just on one side of the spectrum. Like my mom was very abrasive. Um, I felt like I had to constantly read her emotions, her moods, you know, what was going to happen today. And, and in doing that, I was never present in my body to how I was feeling because I had to be on high alert to how she was in all moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And that takes a toll on someone too. And I think that in being brought up that way, I never learned how to really get to know myself and who I was because that was not part of surviving. It was knowing what she was doing, how she was acting and how she was feeling at all times. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just really important to understand what we're going to talk about in a little bit, but yeah. maybe for the listeners, you can, you can talk about your experience and how ours definitely are opposite sides of that spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. Also similar to your experiences that I didn't quite realize, you know, I, I would look back on my child and be like, I didn't have trauma. What? No. Uh, I was a kid that grew up in the (laughs) eighties. But as I started to dig into my own wounding, thank you very much, motherhood. uh, I started to realize that there were pieces that, um, you know, had left scars, I guess you could say. And, uh, you know, my parents divorced being one of those. And also just growing up, you know, my mom, if I were to explain her, she is a pure loving soul. She will do absolutely anything for anyone. 
And with that comes a lack of boundaries, you know, of caring for herself, of taking care of herself, of asserting her voice, of doing what she needs to do for herself. And so growing up, as I began to really reflect and, and see my experience again, my experience, right. It's going to be different than hers, different than my sister's. But I started to see that my mom was very overwhelmed with motherhood. And, you know, I have this, this core memory of my sister and I fighting, like, like, I'm pretty sure we were like, fist fight. Like we we used to get in real bad fights with each other. And I remember my mom being in the washroom with the door locked crying. And I think as I sat in that, I really went back and sat in it and, and, and tried to grasp what I experienced in that moment was that I was bad, was that I was an animal, that I was uncontrollable, that I was, you know, say all these different stories that we create for ourselves. And, and that, I think was a story of mine growing up was that, you know, being a mother meant you didn't have control or being a mother meant um, it was overwhelming or that there weren't boundaries and that, and that maybe I felt like as a child, I was out of control, you know, and this definitely carried into some of my actions as I grew up. Like I, if anyone knows me as a teenager, whew, I, would get in a lot of trouble. And uh, <laughs> I was an animal. <laughs> but anyways, that's a whole other I've only podcast. heard stories. <laughs> I, wasn't, I was not there to witness. <laughs> yeah, well, let's just say. Um, and I even look at my parents' divorce as well. Like there was definitely a lot of trauma there and it felt like there was a lot of chaos and we were kind of in a tailspin and there wasn't, there were no boundaries with that. And so I think, you know, it's interesting when I look back and, and, and also with my relationship with my mom now, like, again, she is the most caring, kind hearted, sweet, sweet soul of a woman. She will do anything for everyone in her life. But I learned at a young age that on the one hand, I didn't want that for myself. And, and I learned to create really strong boundaries for myself growing up. And especially as I went into motherhood and we'll kind of dive into that piece next. But then I also realized in my relationships, as I grew up, that I didn't have some boundaries. And so it was almost like this opposite spectrum I was living in. So super interesting. I think for anyone listening, you know, you don't have to have what I think we perceive as being this traumatic childhood for there to be wounding there or for you to have developed these mechanisms, like you've said, where you struggled with boundaries, right? And, and, and showing up for yourself because, again, being our primary caregiver, we mimic, we get, we imprint on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, very interesting. And, and even as you said, when she locked herself in the bathroom there, you know, you almost I think in some ways too, when, when kids fight like that, they're calling for attention. And, you know, I'm sure in that moment you felt like you were an overwhelming presence, right? That she could not even begin to deal with what was happening in that moment. Oh, a hundred percent. And, you know, what's interesting is when I became a mom, I have a distinct memory, uh, maybe a few years ago, probably around when I was in my rock bottom of so funny how this works sitting on the bathroom floor with the door locked 
and Max, something had happened. I think Max was like, you know, having like a huge meltdown or something. And I could not handle it. And I was like, holy shit. Talk about patterns. Right. Because I sat there and I'm like, hmm, this feels familiar. Oh, right. Because when I was a child, my mom did this. Right. And again, this isn't about, I'm not here to, to say, to place blame or any of that. I just find it so fascinating that these patterns repeat themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it becomes our job at some point in our lives to look at these things, to look at why do we repeat these patterns? Where did we learn this? Where did we pick this up? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and this is, I think, can connect so much to our next piece, which is why is it so important to heal the mother wound is because we are repeating these things that we learn, whether we want to or not. These experiences and these stories that we see and that that we learn, they imprint on us. They create these neural pathways in our brain where we just do these things without thinking. But it becomes our job to look at these things, especially if we become mothers you know, and, and as, and, and we'll dig into our experiences, but as I became a mother, I was like, Hmm, where did this come from? And it became very fascinating to look at how clear some of these patterns were. I think for other people listening, what does that look like? Like we've talked about for you was maybe a lack of, of setting boundaries, um, you know, being overwhelmed in, in parenting, similar to what you experienced with your mom, you know, so, some of the ones where like wounding can really present is, you know, having weak boundaries, like we talked about, maybe an unclear sense of who you are. Maybe you had to be the parent when you should have been the child and you didn't get to dig into your self-identity, arranging your life around not rocking the boat. There's so many women in my life who cannot handle confrontation. It's like, be small, be quiet and just you know, no waves, no ripples. Yeah. I mean, people pleasing at its finest. Right. Yes. And and if we want to really dig into codependency at some point, whew, that's like, you could do like a three-part podcast. Uh-huh. Sometimes mothers can feel threatened by, by sort of this power that especially daughters can, can have. And, and again, going back to that beginning piece we talked about where as a child, you don't want to sever that bond. You then say, okay, I have to be small so that I don't I don't, you know, spur that sort of animosity within my mom. So some ways this can present, like if you're someone who self-sabotages yourself uh, when you're getting close to success, or maybe you do something really well, be like, oh, it was no big deal. Like just, you know, was, I was lucky. Um, mm. you, you can't actually speak to the gifts that you have. And that, that can come from those imprinted wounds on having to feel small to make your mother feel sort of, you know, above you. Well, and I know for you and I both, we just chatted this morning that those were promises that we both made to ourselves. I will not become, or I will not parent the way I was parented. Mm. Or, you know, for me, that was my biggest fear becoming like her. And then when I had Thea, my, my first child, I remember wanting to yell and feeling relief in doing that. Where did I get that from? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I remember being yelled at. I don't even think I was ever spoken to in a normal voice tone. So it's just very funny how those get so ingrained and imprinted, whether again, ancestrally, or just through picking up those interactions and those patterns, how so easily those cyclic patterns can be repeated. Sometimes when I talk with clients or just anyone for that matter, when we talk about our upbringing and especially our experiences 
with our parents, again, this is not about placing blame. I think we have to really practice some form of detachment here, right? Because in order to validate, when we go on our healing journey, in order to heal and build self-trust and build self-love, we have to be able to validate our experience. And I think in order to do that, we have to be able to detach from the relationship with our parents, even just momentarily or temporarily, right? Because otherwise we get into this, this little game of like, well, I love you and I'm not trying to blame you. And so in that, sometimes we don't validate our experience. So this is, if you can, if you're listening to this and you do feel some resistance that's coming up of like, but my parents were good. They loved me. Listen, they did the best they could. My mom did the best she could. My dad did the best he could. Tess, your parents did the best they could with what they had. This is not about placing blame. This is not about saying you were a bad parent. They did the best they could, but in order for us to truly dig into these wounds and heal and, and integrate these aspects of ourselves and, and live our best, most authentic lives, it is about validating our experience. And, and in a lot of cases, sometimes it wasn't the best for us and we didn't get what we needed and that's okay. A hundred percent. And I think that's the part that is our job is digging into that. There are so many women in my life alone that I say, you know, that that comes from the relationship with your mom. Right. And they, again, I think it comes back to that human nature of wanting to maintain that bond. There's something they don't want to give up there. It again. And I think you just, you echo such a good part about, it's not about villainizing. It's not about blaming them. I think actually majority of my life, I hated my mom for what she did to me. I resented her for it. And now that I can detach, as you said, I can see that she probably was parenting the way she was parented. Mm. She did not know any better. She was trying her best. Do I wish all those things happened to me? No, but it's now my responsibility to understand them so that I don't repeat them. Mm. And there's opportunity in that. And I think if you're not taking advantage of it, you're doing yourself a disservice because you get the opportunity to break that pattern for yourself in your own relationships as an adult or for you and your children. I love that piece that you just said about the responsibility because it truly is our responsibility. And again, if you are a listener and you're hearing this and there is resistance here and it's hard for you to detach, if not for you, do it for your children do it for the next generation, do it for the liberation of your parents. And I I think the other piece that we want to touch on here too, again, it's not about villainizing or or causing blame, but it's also not about fixing them. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Frankly, you actually can't fix anyone. (laughs) And I think you and I both learned that on our own personal level and experience. And it's also not your responsibility to carry that. Again, it's becoming aware about your relationship dynamic with your mom or with your primary caregiver and how that may have imprinted on you. What coping mechanisms may you have developed due to that upbringing? And where are you seeing those now? And what is that causing for you? How's that making you feel? How's that transforming your relationships? Maybe it's hindering them. And if you can dig into that and understand where that comes from and maybe give yourself that forgiveness, give yourself what you needed in those moments, you can actually begin to heal that and maybe break down some of those mechanisms that 
probably aren't serving you anymore. Yeah, I love that piece. And it doesn't have to be this big focus on what's happened in the past and getting stuck back there. It's about retrieving pieces so that you can integrate more in the present and create a better life for you or your kids or your relationships moving forward. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we can chat a little bit about that. You know, you as a mother, your rock bottom centered around the time you became a mother and, you know, what were like the patterns that you were noticing and and how did you begin to identify those and, and really break those down? Wow. Did it, did it hit a standstill in the early years of motherhood? I mean, the kids are now, you know, six and a half and, and almost four and a half, but really I started to notice a lot of internal pain and challenge a few years ago. And we, uh, we talked about this in the first episode and I started to realize as I dug into my healing and as I dug into just learning more about myself and my past and my childhood, that I think a lot of my need to control, especially with the kids and everything going on with that came from maybe the lack of control, the lack of boundaries I felt in my childhood. And (laughs) number one, I I used to think to myself, why can't, why couldn't Max just be a kid that allowed me to control? Well, no, that wasn't our journey (laughs) because man, did he push back and he has been a kid from the beginning that has needed control. And wow, has that been wildly expanding for me, uh, very hard and challenging, but he has really taken me to some deep levels of growth and healing because I have really had to release a lot of control in order to parent him to the best ability, right? So that he feels love and support and, and all of that good stuff. And the other thing I also realized my mom was on one side of the spectrum of like, you know, a lack of boundaries and, and asserting her voice and asserting control. But then I think my dad was on the opposite side of that, where he was very, very strict disciplinarian. He had very um, explicit boundaries of like how we should be and what he expected of us and all of that. And, and that was great, but there wasn't really middle ground. And so my experience as a mother has been really trying to find that middle ground of like, how can I create boundaries for the kids so that they know what is expected in terms of, you know, just being a good person in the world and making good decisions, but also give them the freedom that they need in order to grow and expand into their best selves. Whew. It's like an ongoing challenge, but it's, it's been really it's been really cool to, to dive into this and, and in doing so has also taught me so much about my own self and creating that sort of middle ground within me. Mm. It's, it's so interesting how kids become these mirrors of, of the tests and hurdles that we, we most need to overcome. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like exact mirrors, like literally I'll have a day and I can just see it mirrored right back at me, especially in Max. (laughs) Mm. But I I love that part of your story because so many people would, I believe, tell themselves, nope, I, I am, I said, I'm going to control, I'm going to have boundaries, which is something I didn't have. And this is how it's going to go. And here's the narrative of how I'm going to parent and how my experience is going to be with my child, my children. And, you know, you maybe began that way, but I think pretty quickly you had to surrender to, okay, no, this is not going this way. So what a lesson. Mm. 
Yeah. And I think also what comes up there too is, is the boundaries and the control helped me feel safe. You know, it created that safety within me. But then as I dug into my healing journey, I learned how to create authentic safety within me. And so I was able to learn how to release that control. And I can now see with Max too, when he's very rigid, when he needs a lot of control, he's looking for safety in those moments. And having that awareness allows me to see what he needs and and how I can help give that to him. It's been really profound. So let's hear a little bit about, about your experience, because yours is, again, we connect in so many ways, but I love also how different our experiences can be. Mm -hmm, For sure. Um, Yeah, for me, like there's, there's two big themes where I saw sort of the imprinting of how I was mothered carry into my adulthood. I I'd say the first I'm going to touch on is I played a very predominant caretaker role with my mom. I vividly remember, and it's funny because I juxtapose it against how I wake my kids up for school, which is mm. I go in, time to get up. Here's your clothes. What would you like for breakfast? <laughs> All those things. And I remember having to wake up myself, like at mm. the age of six and seven. And if I didn't set an alarm, I was going to be late to school. And having to use like a gas stove and make her a tea every morning. If I went into her room to wake her up without that tea, like she would have went upside one side of me and down the other. I remember like I lit like tea towels on fire all the time because I was like six years old using a gas stove. (laughs) What mom lets a kid use a gas stove at six? But anywho, that's besides the point. And I remember like in making her that tea in organizing something for her and caretaking and and providing her with whatever needs she needed met, I could feel love and that bond began, which I, you know, so hungrily like wanted. It was like an insatiable thirst for, and now knowing more about it, I see how innate that is. Again, I just thought as long as I don't become like her as a mother, I've broke, I've broken the cycle. And it wasn't until I began this healing journey where I really started looking into how I was showing up as a romantic partner, as a wife, I began to see that I was playing the caretaker again. And, you know, I've heard that typically women in romantic partnerships who play the caretaker role typically come from an upbringing where they also had to be the caretaker, where they were the parent instead of being the child. And I think what happens when we caretake with our romantic partner is we create this mother-child dynamic, although subconsciously, uh, you know, and maybe not quite to that extent. And we think that if I curate and create the life that my partner wants and desires and I meet all their needs, that I will be lovable. They will love me. They will be loyal to me. And that's really the biggest need, I think, that any human really wants, right, is to be loved and feel loved. And so, you know, for me in my marriage, when I started doing that, I think what it does though is it creates a bit of a prison that other partner has no way to grow, to exercise their own muscles, because I'll do it all for you. Because if I can't take care of you, I can't be loved. And so I need to do that to meet my own needs as well as what I think yours are. And so usually how those end is in betrayal. Because just like a child typically rebels against their parent, right? Think of any typical 13, 14 year old, a partner will do that too, right? Mm -hmm. Because I created this dynamic where 
you know, my marriage almost in some, in some sense became like suffocating where it wasn't, Hey, I'm here to support you and help you. It was, I don't trust you to do anything on your own because you're incapable because you're a child. I will do it all for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that really eroded my, my marriage. Um, And so seeing it now, it's, it's just very interesting because I used to remember if like, I didn't cook dinner or if I, you know, didn't get something done for my husband or my family. I just felt this immense sense of guilt, but I think really it was my ego being like, Oh, you're not going to provide for them. You're not going to do what they need. And they're going to leave you just -hmm. like she did. And it's just really interesting because I've really been able to change that. But I think in taking on that role as a child, I never, I never really created a self identity because I was never concerned with myself. I was concerned with caretaking for her. And then in my marriage, I did the same thing. And so what breeds there is a lot of resentment. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I need, all of that. And so I'm really on this journey of, of putting my own needs first, knowing that if I can do that, I'm actually a better mom. I'm a better wife. I was going to say a couple of things that actually came up that I just wanted to touch on there. Number one, you said this really important piece of like, I'm going to change this by not doing the same things as my mom. Right. And I think that's sort of the surface level of change, right. Is that we can recognize that we don't want to show up in this way, like our parents did, or like, like your mom did in that case. And so, okay, that's the first step. But I think it's really about, you have to dig deeper. You have to understand why right? Because Mm -hmm. real change comes from digging in and understanding that why, because it's still going to show up in different ways. Those patterns are still going to manifest in other ways, right? Like, okay. So if you were abused or there was alcoholism in your family, you're, you're saying, I'm not going to do this and not you. I just mean, somebody would say, okay, I'm not going to do this now, but you got to dig deeper than that and understand the why under it. Right. Um, And then the other piece that I was going to say was the guilt that might come up for you. I could imagine when you are trying to change these patterns and you do start to learn how to put yourself first, was there guilt that came up with that? And how did you support yourself through it? Because I think for our listeners, and this is something I also hear from people a lot, like just talking to people or talking to clients, it's like this guilt that comes up of like, well, that's selfish of me to put myself first. So how did you support yourself through that? Mm Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I was reflecting on this the other day that, you know, my, my husband never asked me to do all those things for him. Mm-hmm. So I think it was first understanding what, why do I feel the need to caretake everybody? <laughs> no one asked me to do all those things. No one asked me to sacrifice my needs for myself. And once I understood that I was actually doing that for me because of that coping mechanism I had developed. I began to just see everything in a different light that they don't perceive me putting my needs first as being selfish. I do. And so why do I feel that? Okay. Digging deeper, you know, delayering that because when I was in relationship with my mother, if I put my needs first, if I voiced my opinion, there was repercussions for that because she couldn't hold the space for that. Right. And understanding, you know, where her trauma and where her patterns came from. Again, there, I don't have resentment there anymore. I understand how that happened. But until I was able to sort of hold space for that and really dig into understanding why she did those things and why she couldn't hold space, I then couldn't hold it for myself until I understood that. 
Yeah. And I wonder too, if like another piece of that story is that when you say no, or when you don't do these things or fulfill this identity or this role of caretaker, the bond is cut. The connection is cut. The love is taken away. Mm -hmm. And if that is the story, especially for anyone listening to this, if that resonates for you, how can you talk to yourself? How can you have that dialogue within yourself of like, even if I do this, I will still be loved. Even if I do this, I can still have really healthy relationships. Even if I, even if I do this and stand in my truth or, or step into what feels right for me, I am still worthy of love. Yeah. What I was doing in those moments, and I think so many women will resonate with this, is, is self-sacrificing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the biggest detriment we can ever do. And honestly, I thought the selfless thing was to put everyone's needs before myself, realizing now that actually, no, that is completely backwards. When, and just to finish up on this piece is, is that I think this is also a very deep intergenerational wound that many women and many, many mothers and grandmothers, like this is something women carry in us is, is that self-sacrifice piece. Oh yeah. And so if you are working through this, know that this one's a deep one, you know, and, and, and try to have compassion and patience with yourself because this, this started way before you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you want to touch on the second piece? You had mentioned that there were two parts that you've noticed. Yeah. Just the other piece I was going to mention was, you know, I think you and I both made promises to ourselves that we weren't going to parent in the way that we were parented by our mothers. And I remember very specifically thinking when I have a child, and of course I had a daughter first, (laughs) that who she is just the sweetest little soul. I love her. (laughs) And she is my biggest test in my mirror, just like Max (laughs) is for you. You know, I remember thinking that I will love her instinctively to the ends of the earth. I will never raise my voice at her. I will never feel resentment or anger towards her because doing any of that is embodying the way my mother had a relationship with me. And, you know, I remember going home and thinking, wow, motherhood is hard. Mm -hmm. And, And these feelings of, you know, I began to almost resent this cute little baby I had, like, because of you, I don't have sleep because of you, like all of these things. And I think a bit of like postpartum there maybe, mm-hmm. but I just remember in that moment, almost feeling um, empathy for my mom. Like, wow, until you actually become a mom, you don't understand what it's really like. Right. But I remember like sometimes not feeling like that full bond there with her and then being able to like, understand like, wow, why am I feeling like this tug? Like it's, it'd be natural for me to yell right now. Like when she'd trigger me or, you know, when she's like a three, four year old, when she's being naughty, even though I told myself, I'm not going to become anything like her. I, I'd catch myself yelling at her in response or, you know, trying to almost like put fear in her to stop doing a behavior. And it's like, wow, look how easy that was for me to repeat that pattern me just telling myself not to be like her, you know, and, and maybe like being emotionally available wasn't solving any of what was going on within me. And it wasn't until I really started digging into healing my own mother wound that I've been able to, I think, transform my relationship with her. And so I just say for anyone that's struggling, you know, with their own relationship with their kids, maybe you feel like, oh, there's a piece of how you're parented coming out, you know, maybe not to the same extent, 
I would say rather than focusing necessarily on the relationship with your child, it's more again, going back and healing what happened to you, what wasn't given to you. And I think you'll see the ripple effect in your, in your parenting with your own children. Oh girl, I I could not agree more with you because so funny that you even brought this up because I went into motherhood thinking I'm going to have full control. Like I have my whole life, full control. I got this. This is this. Yeah, I got. I had everything, and when I say I had everything, I mean I was able to control everything in my life. And then I got into motherhood, and I had zero control. And I said, and I thought to myself, the exact opposite is occurring than what I expected. And again, that rock bottom piece of like you know, just realizing that it it was nothing of what I expected and the most challenging thing I was ever experiencing. And it wasn't until, cause I, I was thinking to myself, how do I fix this? How do I change motherhood? So it works for me. How do I, <laughs> right. And then it wasn't until I started to look at my own stuff mm-hmm. and really started to backpedal and dig in to all my other stuff that, it, that it changed, you know? So, so, you know, mirroring kind of what you just said there as well. That's so impactful because I have so many friends and women in my life who are just like, I just see red. I just can't help oh. yell at them. And Hey, I'm, I'm no saint. There have been times where yes, I yell, but again, it's, it's not telling myself, okay, I'm just not going to yell anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to take that breather. That pattern will continue to come to the surface in those moments where you're triggered because there's a reason you're getting triggered there. Right. And until you go back, like you just said, and dig into why, what happened to me? How can I heal that? You can't break that cycle. Mm-hmm. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's like that saying what, what we resist persists. Well, oh, if you're just telling yourself, good. oh, I'm not going to do that. Like just push it over there. I'm just going to take my deep breaths. I'm going to write out my gratitude list in the morning. I mean, like, like, great. Okay. These are great tools but let's dig a little bit and understand where this is coming from. And sometimes it is about fulfilling our basic needs. We do need to exercise or we do need to, you know, maybe eat better foods or all of that. But is this a pattern that's showing up? Did mm-hmm. it show up in your childhood? Is this something that you learned? Right. And, and just starting to look at some of those deeper things can be incredibly helpful. I feel like that wraps us off for today. So yeah. this, this one was fully loaded. <laughs> And again, just to, just to reiterate what was said before, if this brought up some heavy pieces for you, if you're on your own journey and this was quite triggering, or this has opened up a vault of something you've never looked at before, know that there is lots of help out there for you. Contact someone that you can talk to, whether it's a professional, whether it's a friend, just anyone seek that support. You do not have to do this alone. Know that you are not alone. And, and that you can do this. You can move through it if, if you choose to do so. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And we hope um, what we talked about today was relevant and inspires you to keep digging. Yes. And, and just to remind you all, you can find Tess on Instagram and TikTok at her unearthed. And you can find uh, me, Christina, on Instagram and TikTok at Christina.soulempowered. We hope you guys have a great day.